0: It was in Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to give you, I'm not going to give you everything I gave to him, but we're going to start with verse 11. But we do strongly and earnestly desire for each of you to show the same diligence and sincerity all the way through in realizing and enjoying the full assurance and development of your hope until the end, until the end, until the end. We don't stop in order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards, but imitators behaving, this is the part I gave you, behaving as do those who through faith, by learning of, by leaning of the entire personality on God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness, and by practice of patience, endurance and waiting are now inheriting the promise. For when God made His promise to Abraham or Abram, Abraham, he swore by himself, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, saying blessings, I certainly will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. And so it was that he, Abraham, having waited long and endured patiently, realized and obtained in the birth of Isaac as a pledge of what was to come, what God had promised him. Men indeed swear by a greater than themselves, And with them in all disputes, the oath taken for confirmation is final, ending in strife. Well, when I I gave it to him out of the King James Version, and this is the part I gave to him. I said, um, actually it was the new King James Version. If someone has that, it would help me a lot. But anyway, it said, For God, in verse 10, is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. I started with 11. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherited the promises. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. And I, and I shared with the man, I, the gentleman, I said, You have not been slothful in this situation. And you stood on the word. And through faith and par- patience, you shall inherit the promises. And he texted me back, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said, that's it. He said, God had been, that had been running over my mind, did he say for a year or, or since, I can't remember. I think he said for a year. And he said, this is it. And he said, and, and, and like we shared so many times, God gives you something and it's it's in your it's in your heart it's in your mind it keeps coming back to you it's it's usually for something that is about to take place god always prepares us if we will listen for what's about to take place but so many times we try to ramrod things and cause them to to work when it's not the timing for it or we just wait and meditate on that word and allow that word to become a part of us and i i i sent back to him i shared i said you know right before my sons, because i had shared the testimony of when our son actually was on life support and they didn't expect him to live and i said for about a month before i'd been teaching on raising the dead and i had never taught on just raising the dead you know I thought it was kind of an odd thing, but I knew God wanted me to do that and we had a woman that visited one night and left and went around telling people that we were saying that or I was saying that we were going to the graveyards and going to raise the dead. Some of you might remember that, but if I had not had that scripture in me, when I faced that situation, i might have I might have given up I might have I would have been in a terrible mess, I'll tell you. because, But because I had that scripture in me, and I, and I had gone through all the places where Jesus rose the dead, where the dead were raised, I knew in assurance that God was going to complete the work that he said he would do. So this is an hour, and this is a time when people are giving up. They're, they're losing hope. And like I shared with him along with this scripture, I said in James 1, count it all joy when you encounter diverse tests and trials, knowing the trying of your faith worketh patience. And I shared with him, the enemy wants your faith. That's what he's after. If he can get you down or upset, or, or if he can cause you to look at circumstances and situations and cause you to become impossible or look impossible and speak it out of your mouth then he wins I'm being honest here we have to run that fight of faith and patience and walk in love and be these four things that God said this morning true worshipers true word people Have a pure heart and be joyful. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he says, rejoice. Hallelujah. Well, I know I have a calendar somewhere. There it is. Just open in prayer this morning. And I thank you for the anointing that's here that has destroyed every yoke of bondage. And I thank you, Father God, for the word that shall go forth in power and might. And I thank you, Father, that you have anointed pastor And myself to teach this word. We allow you, Holy Spirit, to change anything at any time or add anything at any time or move in a different way as you desire. Here's the nugget unless commitment is made, unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but no plans. Well, that's a good one. Unless commitment is made, there are only promises and hopes, but no plans. Wow. You know, some people go through day after day, year after year, nothing happens. It's the same old, same old. Why? Because there were no plans. Children's Church, there were no plans. Children's Church is excused. There were no plans that were made. In other words, you didn't plan on how it was going to get done. You didn't ask God, How am I going to accomplish this? And that's Peter Drucker. Amen. You have anything you want to share on that? So you can tell all the ladies Happy Mother's Day today, right?
1: Happy Mother's
0: Day. I thought about Eve this morning. I thought about Eve this morning. We all came from Eve. (laughs) Two people, Adam and Eve. I thought about her this morning, you know. She, you know, she was in the garden and ended up out of the garden and Learn the hard way. Amen. And Jesus came and took back what Satan had taken, and we don't have to learn the hard way. Praise God. I don't know what you two are doing, but praise the Lord.
1: Okay. Again, happy Mother's Day, moms. OK. A <laughs> mom's job is never done. It's true. It's a 24/7. A duty with all the unexpected twists and turns that life brings. And it takes a special heart of love to endure. That's a mom. There's an old saying, or there is a saying, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. This little phrase, although simple, has tremendous and vast amount of great history behind it. So with that, uh, the Bible lists uh, great women who are moms and that did amazing things in their lifetime. So we're going to look at a few of the moms, not just one, but a few this time. Uh, The first mom, see if you you will guess who who these moms are. First mom was married to a man named Amaram. Amaram bam ding ding dong. You know the song?
0: <laughs>
1: well Amaram, I'll get uh, Together with Amaram, they had three children. Come on, scholars. Her name is Joshabed. Anybody know who his dad is now? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Okay. They lived in a dangerous time when her third child was born. To save this child, she placed him in a basket, put him in a river. He would be taken out of the river by the king's daughter, who would raise him as her own. She named the baby Oh, you finally got it, all right. So if you'll turn with me to Exodus chapter two, and verses one through 11, you want to read that love? Sure, one through
0: 11. Now Amaran was a man of the house of Levi. The priestly tribe went and took as his wife, Jochebed, a daughter of Levi. And the woman became pregnant and bore a son, and when she saw that he was exceedingly beautiful, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took the ark or basket made of bulrushes or papyrus, making it watertight by daubing it with bitterum and pitch. Then she put the child in it and laid it among the, the rushes by the brink of the river Nile. And his sister Miriam stood some distance away to learn what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came along to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the banks. She saw the ark among the rushes and sent her maid to fetch it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby cried. And she took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse of the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the girl went and called his mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse it for me and I will give you wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it and the child grew and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she called him Moses, for she said, because I drew him out of the water. One day after Moses was grown, it happened that he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens, and he saw the Egyptians beating the Hebrew, one of of Moses's brethren. He looked this way and that, and when he saw no one, I think I've gone too far, I'm sorry. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. You need to go back a little and tell how the pharaoh was killing all the Hebrew children.
1: Well, at and least you have read that at the very beginning of this year. So you should know that. Uh, let me go on here. Yet Bed was able to instill in Moses his, in his heritage by making arrangements to be made the nanny of Moses. That's pretty good. Because of Joshua, Joshebed, Moses remained true to his heritage and in his latter years became the deliverer of, of Israel out of Egyptian bondage.
0: I wanted to share something before you go. Okay,
1: and gave the, the Israel the Ten Commandments from God, the code of conduct for all mankind. Okay, you want
0: to share now. And in my notes, it says, they launched the ark not only on the Nile, but on God's providence. He would be captain, steersman, and convoy of this tiny ark. Miriam stood to watch. There was no fear of fatal consequences, only the quiet expectancy of God's faithfulness, and they were amply rewarded when the daughter of the greatest foe became the baby's patroness. You know, that's what we need to do in this hour. We have got to trust God in every situation. Every situation. Hallelujah.
1: Okay. We read that uh, Miriam, the oldest of the three children, later became a prophetess. Aaron, the second child, became the high priest. What a great input this mom had. This mom, I would say, could be proud of herself. Three children. That uh, became great. Okay. Let's look at uh, mom number two here. She was married to Elkanah. Anybody? Hannah. You read the notes?
0: No, I, I thought I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking about Hannah. She's Hannah, kind of the one I is was her growing. name. She
1: was childish, childish. Childish.: Child <laughs> I get it. There you go. Um, and uh, she prayed for a son that she would give. In the Lord's service. A son was granted. She raised him till he was weaned and presented her son Samuel unto the Lord. Samuel became one of uh, the Old Testament greatest leaders and prophets of Israel. So turn with me to First Samuel. Chapter 1. Okay. 1 Samuel chapter 1. and you want to do something on this
0: one, so. Mm-hmm. There was a wonder. certain man named, well, you read it, of the hill country <laughs> of Ephraim named Elkanah, son of Jeroboam, the son of Elihu, the, the son of Zeph, and the son, son of Ephraimite. Aren't you glad you don't have names like that? He had two wives, one named Hannah and the other named Phineah. Fini, Phineah, sorry. Phineah had children, but Hannah had none. This man went from his city year by year to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were Lord, the Lord's priests. When the day came that Elkanah sacrificed, he would give to Phineah his wife and all her sons and daughters portions of sacrifice, sacrificial meat. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had given her no children. Now God knew this from the foundation of the earth, He knew about this woman, he knew he put her on the earth, he knew exactly what her place was on the earth and what she was to do because I've I've been meditating on her this these last two days and so here she is she uh, he favored her. But she didn't have any children. This and grieved Hannah, and her rival provoked her greatly to vex her because the Lord had left her childless. Her rival was the other wife. So it was year after year, whenever Hannah went up to the Lord's house, Phineah provoked her, so she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to Hannah, Why do you cry, and why do you not eat? And why are you grieving? Am I not to you more than ten sons? So Hannah rose and, after had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, now Eli the priest was sitting at the seat beside the post of the temple, 10 of the Lord. And Hannah was distressed of soul, praying to the Lord and weeping bitterly. She vowed, saying, "This is this was her first fruit. This was her seed. Won't you really listen to this?" She vowed, saying, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look at the affliction of your handmaiden and earnestly remember and not forget your handmaiden, but will give me a son, I will give him to the Lord all his life. No razor shall touch his head. And as she continued praying before the Lord, Eli noticed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard, so Eli thought she was drunk. Must have prayed, they must have prayed out loud those days. So, huh? anyway, um, Eli said to her, "How long will you be intoxicated? Put wine away from you." But Hannah answered, "No, my lord. I am a woman of sorrowful spite. I have drunk nothing, nor, nor neither wine nor strong drink. I was pouring out my soul before the Lord. Regard not your handmaidness as, as a wicked woman, for out of my great." Complaint and bitter provocation, I have been speaking. Then Eli said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. Hannah said, Let your handmaiden find grace in your sight. So she went her way and ate, her countenance no longer sad. The family rose early the next morning, worshipped the Lord, returned to the home. And Ramah Ikani, Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. She began pregnant. She became pregnant and due time bore a son and named him Samuel. Heard of God because she said, I have asked of him. And we know what she did. She nursed him, weaned him, and took him and put him in a very ungodly home. She was another woman that had to trust her son to the Lord. Hallelujah. This was her first fruit of many. And look what God did with her first fruit. Hallelujah. I'm done now. Okay.
1: So if you'll back up. Maybe. (laughs) If you'll back up to the book in front of Samuel, you'll find the book of? Ruth. Ruth. And we're going to uh, begin with verse 17. That's chapter 1, 17 of Ruth. Now um, Naomi's husband has died, if you read here, if you recall. And so does her two sons. They were married to two girls uh, in this country. And Naomi is going back to Israel. And she tells her, daughter-in-laws, you might as well stay here with your own parents because I have nothing. I can't give you another son. So this is what we're going to look at here. Uh, Ruth chapter 1, looking at verse 17. Where thou, uh, where thou diest, I will die. This is uh, Ruth speaking. And where I will be buried. And there I will be buried. And the Lord, the Lord do to me and more also, if if aught but deaf, part thee and me. And she saw that she was steadfast-minded to go with her, and she left speaking unto her. So, so the two went until they came unto Bethlehem, and it came to pass when they came to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them, and they said, is this Naomi? Here is the thing about Naomi. We're talking about moms. Her sons have passed away. She has two daughter-in-laws. One daughter-in-law returns to her family, but Ruth stays with Naomi. She forsakes her own parents for Naomi. That shows you some some kind of love there. Mm-hmm. That uh, Naomi showed Ruth. So this is. That's all I want to say in that one. Okay, now we're going to go to the fourth one. The fourth one. These are real quickies in that area.
0: Well, can I say something that I said I was not going to, but it says her mother-in-law was bitter and not a happy woman. And this gal had to have some faith to stick around with her and go on with her. You know what I mean? Really, so she, she really loved her, so.
1: Okay, mom number four. Let's see if you get this one. She married a non-Jewish husband. She married a non-Jewish husband. New Testament. The husband was, was Greek. Boy, this is a good... I know. quiz this morning, isn't it? On mothers. Okay. Her name is Eunice. She was committed to Jesus Christ and her name means good victory. Eunice means good victory. She raised uh, their son Timothy. You Remember Timothy now? In the admonition of the Lord, she and her mother, Eunice's mother, Lois, also taught Timothy carefully the things of God, a strong faith and a thirst for God. Timothy was taught to read, meditate, and trust the Word of God. Paul the Apostle remarked about the zeal and manner that Timothy had received from his mother and grandmother. So we'll go to Second Timothy, that's 2 Timothy chapter 1.
0: I'm here if you want me to read it. Huh? I'm here if you want. Okay,
1: go ahead. You can read then. Timothy,
0: 2 Timothy 1, verse 5. I am calling up memories of your sincere and unqualified faith and leaning on your entire personality of God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in this power, wisdom, and goodness in faith that first lived permanently in the heart of your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am fully persuaded dwells in you also. Alleluia.
1: And chapter 3 of 2 Timothy.
0: Let me read that one. Go ahead. 315. And, from, and how from your childhood you have a knowledgeable and been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to instruct you and give you the understanding for salvation which comes through faith in Christ Jesus through the leaning of the entire human personality on God in Christ Jesus in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness.
1: Wow. That is is a heritage to pass on to your children. That's something that each and every one of us should strive for. If you have a young child or an older child, you need to confess it over them. Amen. Well, for those of you that don't are not there yet, you need to confess it over your ch- child when you get one. All right, glory to God. Um, today, in our society, we have great social problems that tax even the best of parents. And moms have been put to the task on these demanding problems. This, pro- this is a problem we cannot overlook. Okay? Um, now we're going to switch a little bit. It's estimated that there are some 13 million, 13 million single parent homes in our country. 84% of those are run by the women, the guys have run out. Or the, mo- or the dads, or the, I, w- I would say the sperm givers ran away. I can't call them dads. Uh, these That's moms right. are heroes in a thankless society. They have taken on the job of two parents. They are the only provider of finances, raising the children alone, providing a roof over their head, food on the table, making sure the bills are paid, the lights and heat stay on, taking kids to school, making sure the home, their homework is done, and the kids don't to hang around with wrong crowds. And that's a pretty hefty job just for two parents, let alone one. And 80, 84% of the single parents are women. That's, that's heavy. Um, Being demeaned by perverse laws of the land that offer no help and no assistance, they are physically exhausted as well as mentally expended beyond reason. Yet they are heroines or heroines, and many of their children have become productive individuals into society. I'll give you another one. This is modern day, fairly modern day. Let's see if you know who who this person was father passes away and leaves an 11-year-old son, the wife's name is Mary. She teaches him scriptures and how to pray. When the boy is of age, he decides to join the Navy and tells mom of his plans. She prays about it and says she doesn't think this is God's will for his life. Well, today if a mom or a dad says, I don't think that's your, you know, when a kid gets to that age, well, I'm going to do it my way, you know, but not this boy. The young man takes his mother's advice and does not join the Navy. Some of you are looking at me, okay. If he had joined the Navy, he would have been in the British Navy. He would have fought in the Revolutionary War. On the British side. This man became the first president of the United States, George Washington. He learned to pray and learned the scriptures from his mom. mom. Wow. And you can look at all the the great things that he has done, okay? just recently, uh, there's uh, Senator Jim DeMint uh, is president of the Heritage Foundation. You could look at that, Heritage Foundation is a conservative think, think tank uh, that uh, tries to get things. Um, his dad pa- passed away tragically in an auto accident and his mom had to uh, support, I think it was three kids besides himself. So that was pretty hard. And then there's uh, Senator uh, Tim Scott of uh, South Carolina. An absentee dad. His mom raised him. And this one, I think a lot of you will recognize the name more (laughs) quickly. Dr. Benjamin Carlson. Carson. Carson. The neurosurgeon at John Hopskin uh, Hospital that does all those surgeries on those babies and stuff. He talked, he had the, he was at the prayer meeting. (laughs) Prayer breakfast uh, for the... uh, Thank you. Speak it out loud so they know what I was going to say. Inauguration. Thank you. (laughs) For the president. And you you saw what a great man this gentleman
0: was. Or is, I should say. I hope this man runs for president next time.
1: Okay. Raised by godly moms that would not take society's failed handouts to form the wrong impressions on their uh, children's lives, these moms instead carve virtue, character, courage, and strength into into their children's lives. So there is, you know, something great that moms do. You know, we just need to. I believe we all need to give a big thanks, a thank you, and a praise to our moms. Amen. And finally, I just have to have this since I brought it out on on the uh, uh, single-parent moms. If you can help in a time of need to a single-parent mom, it would be a refreshing and revitalizing spiritual and physical blessing letting her know that someone else cares. So if you can be a blessing to someone like that, it would help. So, all right. All right. I don't know what time it is because I took off my watch, so what time we got?
0: Four after.
1: Four? That is pretty close.
0: You have something over there.
1: Okay, we have some something over here. Oh, right. Praise the Lord.
0: I'm going to share this. We do have a single mom in our congregation that um, we're going to be receiving an offering for next week. So pray, ask God what you would, are to give, and be prepared. Just ask him this week. If he doesn't tell you to give anything, don't do it. But if he does, the Lord just told me where to do that next week. So come prepared. Amen.
1: Okay.
0: It'll be. It'll go through the church. Just make it out to the church and put on it, single mom.